Hey friends, welcome to Thrive and Align Healing Podcast. This is Kim. And this is Carmen. And we basically solve all the world's problems here on the podcast. Just kidding. We talk about holistic healing. We explore ways to change our thinking um, and the mind-body connection to stimulate healing in our body. So you know, all that mind-body-soul stuff. Yep, that's what we talk about each week. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back to Thrive and Align Healing Podcast. This is episode 46. And this week, we're just going to have fun. We're going to take a break from solving the world's problems. So we wanted to talk about something that we both love and really enjoy and that could be really helpful for you guys. So we're going to talk about growing your own food. And this is an episode for all levels of gardeners, you know, from like never grew a plant before to advanced level. Just like what... What we're passionate about, what we should, Carmen's suggestions of what we should grow and why. And so we're going to have fun with this episode, make it a little lighter. <laughs> yeah. I, I love gardening. And um, so we're in February, right? So February is a little bit colder and we're about to get a little bit of a cold snap this week. Um, but I like planning gardens too. <laughs> so I will plan my gardens. Um, so I get an idea where I can maximize the yield, right? What I want to grow, uh, what's going to be the most beneficial. Um, and I do also um, have a winter garden for folks. Yeah. So even though it's cold outside, um, it can be a nice time from February till about March or April um, to have probably April, second week of April, um, to even have a cold weather garden, right? So cold weather vegetables are things like, like the kales, cabbages, Brussels sprouts, um, cauliflower. I'll tell you right now, if you wanted to start planting, planting things like, um, those take a little bit longer. That gestation period is a little bit longer or, or whatever they call it in plants. <laughs> um, a fertilization period. So you want something that grows quickly. So things like lettuces and spinach um, and, and kale uh, or even beets are great. Yeah. Um, usually I start planting my garden now and I will. I do have like kale growing now um, and some arugula outside. Um, that is part of my winter garden. But if you start planting uh, or planting things that are easy to grow and that don't take up a lot of space, right? So things I like to start people off with is spinach because spinach is easy. Most people like spinach. Um, you can get mild. Um, when you grow spinach at home, you can pick it when it's smaller and it's much has a milder taste. You can cook spinach down, you can eat it raw in a spinach salad, or you can put it in smoothies. Spinach is very high in our um, minerals. It can be very high in iron um, and, and potassium. And so those are things that our body needs um, and it's easy to grow. So you can do spinach, sorry, let me turn this off. Um, in a, you can do spinach in containers, right? So this is something that you can do um, on your front porch or back porch, you can just put it in a pot, like a flower pot. Um, you can put it in your windowsill. You can just get an old, you know, um, Tupperware container or butter container and put it in the windowsill, add some dirt to it and put a couple spinach seeds in it and start growing spinach. Mm -hmm. um, there's something that's called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 um, from the Environmental Working Group. And 
what they do is they look at the vegetables and fruits and they test them from all location, all sorts of locations, and they are testing them for levels of pesticides. And they list on their website, they put it out every year, um, the Dirty Dozen are the top 12 fruits and vegetables that have the highest pesticide levels. So those are the foods that you want to try and get organic or grow yourself, right? Or get from a reputable farmer. Um, and usually spinach is at the top of the list. So that's why I'm always encouraging people. And it's a fun experiment to do. I mean, if you've got kids, right, um, to uh, grow, yeah, spinach in a window, in the window seal, right? So you can just, like I said, use an, doesn't even have to be a one of those fancy pots that's like oblong that fits in the windowsill, just get an old um, butter container, Tupperware container, put some dirt in it and you know, about four spinach seeds and water them and then you'll start to get spinach. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, you'll see it won't take very long. It only takes like four or five days. Mm -hmm. um, so that's usually the top of my list. <laughs> because so I wanted to ask you like yeah. uh, winter garden, is that like in a greenhouse or do you have it outside in the dirt? Um, I have it outside. Okay. It's not, yeah, mine is just outside because our winters are pretty mild, you know, in Oklahoma with the exception of this cold snap we're getting next week or this week. Um, my, yeah, our vegetables will keep growing. Yeah, through the winter if you plant cold water, cold weather vegetables. I will tell you, I did plant, um, Brussels sprouts and they didn't, I've, two years I've tried to plant Brussels sprouts and they haven't come up and I don't know why, I don't know what I'm doing um, differently. But when I moved, um, I don't have a very large garden. What I have in my backyard right now is what they call a square foot garden. Um, so that means it's four foot by four foot. Mm -hmm. um, and then I section off um, within that four foot by four foot to make 16 one foot squares. And so um, it doesn't take up a lot of space, right? Um, and then what doesn't fit within my square foot garden, I just have in random pots all over my yard. Okay. <laughs> um, because I, yeah, um, don't really have a, ma uh, a backyard to speak of. Most of it is gravel and um, uh, leftover sidewalks because it's on the corner. It's a corner lot, so. Yeah. Um, Yes. And so if people don't have a lot of space, sometimes it's, it's nice to be able to, yeah, do things in containers. Yeah. And um, what were the other questions? So some people think that they have to actually buy the plants. Do you suggest the plants or the seeds? And if you suggest seeds, do you have any certain brands that you recommend? Um, great question. So um, I like to plant seeds because I like to see them grow. Mm -hmm. So and this is just my perspective. Um, before I had pets, I kind of felt like my plants were my pets. So it was exciting just to see them grow. So I like to buy them from the seeds. Mm -hmm. um, there are, so as far as seeds go, um, I prefer heirloom seeds if you can, yeah, if you can find them. So you'll read the package and if it says heirloom or organic seeds, um, you're gonna get a better yield. Um, if it's a hybrid seed, you won't be able to replant that the following year. Yeah, um, so kind of keep that in mind. 
because I usually try to let some of my plants go to seed if they like if I have a spinach variety that I really like um, I will let some go to seed so I can keep those seeds for next year and then like start kind of a seed library because then I want to buy seeds once um, and so that was my my preferred route so I don't um, often recommend folks I, I I recommend folks look at like feed stores for seeds um, uh, instead of Walmart and looking for the heirlooms. Um, if you don't mind buying seeds online, my favorite seed um, distributor is called Baker Creek. Mm -hmm. They're out of Missouri. Yep. Um, I really, yeah, I really like them. They have an awesome variety and most of them are heirloom seeds. Um, if you're, and you can get all sorts of vegetables, fruits, they even have trees. And they will sometimes, depending on the time of year, they you can buy like trees from them or they were like hedges and bushes, like blueberries and raspberries, you can buy directly from them and they'll mail them to you um, in the plant form and not in the seed form. If you're looking for seeds that are a little bit more traditional, um, there's a company out of Tucson called Native Seeds. And they have more sort of like the beans, the squashes, um, the corns that are more, um, uh, I don't know if I can say traditional, but um, more native strains um, and less genetically diverse, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, so I will side note this. If you want to order from Baker Creek, you better order now because <laughs> if you wait until March, like I did last year, like you're only getting what's left over. Yes, because people, avid gardeners are planning their gardens now. <laughs> so they're ordering their seeds now. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. Um, when you're talking about leafy greens like spinach and lettuce, you probably won't find as many um, plants for sale. Um, maybe at some of the greenhouse, greenhouses or nurseries. Um, there, you can also buy seeds from nurseries, some of them, not most of them, yeah, not all of them sell. So you have to check which ones are local to you if they have um, seeds, because sometimes they will buy seeds in bulk and then repackage them. Um, but yeah, sometimes they have still pretty good varieties. Um, so yeah, you can, some people will start seedlings in the house, right? And then like put them in their garden um, when it gets a little bit warmer. I don't do that because I don't have a lot of space for that, right? I'm so glad that you clarified that because I thought when I started gardening and still kind of have that thought, this is what gardeners do. They yeah. start them in that. And I hate it. It's a mess. It's, it's a mess for me to take care of. Like, I, I don't like doing it. No. <laughs> so what I usually do, um, if I get the itch and I'm like, I need to plant something now, usually, usually in like March or April, um, what I do is I will plant, um, those seeds in the ground uh -huh. and then I just cover them, um, and make like mini greenhouses for them. Right. So, um, if I have a whole lot together, like with my square foot garden, it's only like four foot by four foot. So it's not very large. So I take hula hoops and I will put hula hoop, I'll cut them in half and then make a, um, uh, kind of like a hoop hoop. <laughs> Thanks. Make it a hoop house. Right. And then I just cover it with some plastic. Um, when I, lived in somewhere else, um, I would just plant those seeds like my tomatoes and peppers. Um, I, yeah, we see a lot of tomatoes and peppers. I would go ahead and plant them. 
and then I just cover them with like a a plastic container right like so like a milk jug that was cut off you know on the bottom with a lid on it or um i would yeah get milk jugs from our neighborhood recycle them <laughs> or um i guess you could do yeah soda bottles or like bigger water bottles it's the that the, has a larger girth um yeah. juice bottles it doesn't really matter and you just have to put them on um on days that are a little bit or the nights that are a little bit cooler right? Because everybody worries about when that last frost is going to be. And so um, here in Oklahoma, we usually get our last frost like that second week of April, you know, right around like tax day. And so your plants will start growing early and then you just have to cover them for that frost mm -hmm. because it's if the leaves get frosted, um, that's what kills the plant, mm -hmm. right? So if you just cover them for that one night, um, you'll be fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you get a little bit of a late start, right? Say you're not really motivated to get going until like um, April or May, you can buy the seedlings already established, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so those you usually get from the nursery. Yeah. Um, so if my, so not a couple of years ago, my tomato plants, I was away from home when it frosted. And yeah. so I didn't have anybody to get them covered. So they didn't make it. Um, and I was like, oh, it, I, in my mind, I thought it's too late to plant tomatoes again and try again. So I did, I went to the nursery um, and bought some, they weren't the same varieties that I wanted, but um, they, yeah, it worked out well. And so I just went to the nursery and was like, all right, this is my second. <laughs> This is my second go. Um, and we still got a pretty, yeah, a pretty good harvest that year. So, so there's always options. You don't have to start those seeds. Um, and technically, um, depending on where you live, right? Like, so in Oklahoma, we have a decent growing season. Um, so even though it gets really hot in August, um, some of those hot weather plants, like the tomatoes and the peppers, uh, will do well um through the summer yeah. uh, so even if you planted them a little bit later in may you know they may not harvest until um later in the summer and then when you're choosing your vegetables um there are like when to plant i guess i should say some farmers will look at like an um the farmer's almanac mm -hmm. um and you can find several online that'll tell you like ideal times of the year to plant and all of that is based for, you know, depending on the plant, all of that is based on how long it takes to germinate um, and what the weather's like. Mm. So if you take a pack of seeds and you're like, hey, you know, like it looks really interesting. Like I wanna grow strawberries this year, right? Um, so you look at the back of the package and it'll tell you how many days it takes to germinate, right? Whether it's like 60 days or 120 or 190 days. So then you got an idea of when you'll be able to harvest those, mm -hmm. right? So um, if you're exploring different varieties, even if you go to the Baker's Creek um, catalog online, you can see they'll list that on there as well. So you just pull out your calendar to try and figure out when a good time to start planting. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that kind of gets you started. I did want to throw out a couple of herbs that I think would be really helpful for people to grow that are easy to grow. Um, so um, most people have heard of mint. Right. There's a lot of different mint varieties, peppermint, spearmint. Um, some of the nurseries may have like fancy mint varieties like pineapple mint or a chocolate mint. Um, those are often hybrids, but they're all in that mint family. Um, peppermint. So 
I prefer peppermint. Sometimes spearmint grows a little bit better depending on what your soil quality is. Um, but mint is one that grows prolifically yes. um, and it's easy to harvest. Um, it's easy to dry, right? And peppermint tea um, is a nice one to have, especially um, it is usually we think of mint as cooling, right? So it's nice to have in the winter or the summertime because um, it's kind of that cooling. So if people have um, hormone imbalances, right? Peppermint can be really, peppermint tea, or you can make a peppermint tincture as well, um, can be really nice. Um, it balance, balances out hot flashes. Um, it's great for PCOS. Um, peppermint is also very relaxing. Um, so it has constituents that are relaxing. So it's nice, it's what we call, a carminative so it's great for the digestion so if people have a tendency to have um like a lot of gas a lot of bloating a lot of belching um peppermint tea after meals is really nice because it kind of helps to relax the digestive system a little bit so you can digest your food a little bit better um peppermint's great for you know like headaches or muscle tension um because of that relaxation feature within the constituent so it's nice, a, a nice herb to have sort of like overall, right? Like um, to have for you to pick, to dry, um, you can make a um, tincture or you make teas out of it. Um, you can make tinctures out of it. It just makes it more concentrated. Um, you can even make peppermint salves, right? Sometimes people will make salves out of peppermint um, uh, for like headaches, right? Um, or if you have a tendency to like to get uh, hot feet or your feet sweat a lot. Sometimes like a peppermint lotion can be really helpful. So um, I usually have people consider trying to grow a, a mint of some sort in their garden. I've got mine growing out in pots because it'll take over the yard if you, <laughs> you're not careful. I mean, if you're looking for like a taller ground cover, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and it smells good. Even if you, you know, like if it goes out beyond, you know, where you've marked off and you mow it, it smells really good. <laughs> And then we'll come back. Um, yeah. If you live in the country, um, or if you, uh, it doesn't even have to be in the country. If you have um, uh, mice, peppermint will also deter mice. So sometimes it's nice. I have people, you know, if they've got a mice problem, if they've got, you know, like feed in the barn or whatever, um, or you've got mice getting into your animal food, sometimes peppermint um, planted around the the border of the building can be nice or I mean yeah people in town get mice too so sometimes it's nice to yeah use as a ground cover around your house um to help to yeah keep the pests away yeah yeah um because it's so strong that you know minty flavor is, is very strong and volatile oils and so yeah um the other thing it's similar but different is oregano um, so oregano is also of the mint family, but I like oregano because it's an awesome, um, broad spectrum antimicrobial, right? So mm -hmm. we think of oregano, um, like in our kitchen, right? In our pasta sauce or in our, on our pizzas or, um, spaghetti and that sort of thing. Um, oregano is also, it's pretty easy to grow. Um, and you can also dry that as well. And so that's nice to have because if you feel like you're starting to come down with something, right, whether it's a respiratory um, thing or even allergies, uh, if you're getting sick, even if you've got the stomach bug or stomach flu, oregano is really helpful because it's antimicrobial. So if you've ever heard of like oil of oregano, 
it's, you know, there's a lot of different oregano varieties, um, but all of them, if they have that really strong volatile oils and that's that strong oregano smell, um, will have antimicrobial properties. Yeah. So there are, because when if you, so usually my herbs, I usually buy those as seedlings. Yeah. Um, I don't, um, or I, yeah. Um, I was going to say this last group of mint is a different variety of mint that were somebody brought over to me, but, um, I usually, you can, they will still go to seed. And so you can like replant, um, oregano seeds and mint seeds, but, um, usually I like perennials? to, the oregano still goes to seed, but it reseeds itself. Okay. Mint is perennial. It'll just keep coming up every year. But oregano it's, is not, it's an annual. Um, I was going to say, well, oregano is still root bound, um, like mint is, but it usually it's, it's reseeding itself. Okay. Yeah. That's usually why it comes back every year is because it reseeds itself. So you got to at least let one plant go to seed. Okay. Um, but so it's a nice one because you can dry it, right? You can also make a tea out of oregano. Um, sometimes you can do like a poultice, which is like you, um, whether they're fresh or dried leaves and you crush them up and add a little bit of water, kind of make like a paste. Um, so if people have um, like a, a boil or a um, infection on their skin or something, you can um, use oregano and it has a little bit of a drawing action and it will um, help any like infections you might have on your skin too. And so um, it's one that's easy to grow and it's a nice overall broad spectrum um, antimicrobial. So I like to recommend that one because you can also use it as a spice in your kitchen. Yep. Yeah. Or use the right now in your kitchen <laughs> when you're getting sick. Um, so those would be sort of my first top two easy to grow, easy to get started because you can do those inside or outside. Um, and harvest them and start, yeah, working on your um, natural medicine cabinet with yes. those herbs. I, um, I, so I'm not like a, def, like I'm a, I'm not a professional landscaper <laughs> or gardener. Like how you, I love this saying, how you do one thing is how you probably do everything. And it's so true. Like I just chaotically do things right <laughs> and so I created my I have the fortune of having a two level garden and so the top level is my flower garden and herb garden and then the bottom level we have built out into boxes for food and so the top level I, and I'm telling you guys this like I loved planting rosemary and lavender and I tried to grow it in the house and I I literally killed seven rosemary plants in the house but I planted them outside my garden at, in my flower garden as like different heights. So I could have different, you know, like heights and flowers. And like, those things are great in Oklahoma. Those things are still kicking and they smell good and they're big. And, um, and I feel like those were really easy for a chaotic gardener like me. That's like super excited about gardening, gardening, March, April, May. And then by June, it's like, I'm done. I'm over this. <laughs> and I quit watering and harvesting, but they're so hardy. Like they just like, don't water us. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love rosemary. Rosemary is, um, 
There are a lot of different varieties of rosemary as well, um, but rosemary is an excellent herb. Um, if you can get it growing and it gets prolific like yours is, <laughs> you'll have it. Really ignored it. Yeah. See, I'm not very good at growing rosemary, but I think it's because I water it too much. Yes. Rosemary doesn't like a lot of water. It does better actually in the desert. Yes. Um, and I have a tendency maybe to give my plants a little bit too much water and too much love. And so <laughs> I'm like, all right, I really, really want you to grow. I'm invested. <laughs> and so I haven't had as much luck growing ro <laughs> rosemary. If you're like me and like, you have to think of rosemary and lavender like cats yes right yes. like cats were like look i want to love you when i want to love you and then i want you to leave me alone like that's rosemary like just leave me alone like if you forget to water me for a week and a half probably gonna be happier with you yes yep you're exactly right that's why yeah um yours are so prolific and so rosemary is another awesome antimicrobial right mm -hmm. it's even a little bit more potent than oregano um is what some people will tell you and it, it, it definitely has like this distinct flavor or, and smell to it, right? Because it even has stronger volatile oils than oregano. Um, but it makes, and so with that stronger volatile oils, sometimes um, it's, it's just stronger in general, right? So if you make a tea out of it, it's going to be a lot stronger. <laughs> um, so if you like the taste of rosemary, great. If you don't like the taste of rosemary, then usually I have to the people do, um, you can do that as a poultice, like make a... Um, uh, uh, a tea with the rosemary and then um, a strong tea with the rosemary and then put like a wash rag in it and then apply that wash rag like if you have a sore throat or an upper respiratory issue right um, and just apply that um, topically if you don't like the taste of it yeah but and then of course the lavender yeah we've we all are familiar with lavender um, hopefully and then it's very like relaxing calming smells beautiful um, but those two particular plant, plants, they do well if um, you don't water them a lot and they actually don't need great soil quality, right? So, so like mine are planted in basically sand. Yeah. I was going to say they don't need a lot of, um, they don't need any fertilizer, but they don't need a lot of um, like um, potting soil or like, yeah, really good dirt. Um, I mean, they grow in the desert, so they're very hardy. Yeah. Um, so those are nice options to have if you, um, they don't need a lot of tending to. Right. Yeah. And they're very therapeutic. They're, yeah. Because you get such a reward, like for gardeners like me, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm done with this. Like, look <laughs> how big that rosemary plant is. I did such a good job. I'm such a good gardener. <laughs> such a big bush. <laughs> oh, it was so, yeah, it was, looked so happy. Yes. Literally, I haven't been out in the garden in weeks. <laughs> That's all right. You made very good choices in putting, <laughs> putting those there. Uh, so they found a happy place to thrive. Yes. Yeah. Any other, like, you must have these in your garden for your health or whatever. Um, so if you want to branch out a little bit further, I would have everybody consider kale and beets. Um, so they're a little bit, they're not cold weather, but they'll do better in the spring and in the fall than they will the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, when it gets too hot, they won't make it. So I love kale and beets because um, 
there's so many nutrients in kale and there's so many antioxidants in beets. Um, so I did a, um, a volunteer bout with a garden in Arizona and um, it was a community co-op and it was, it had one whole section. I love this theory and someday I'm gonna make this happen. Um, it had one whole section of the garden that was open and free to people who um, had or ha had or have a cancer diagnosis. And it was essentially a juicing garden and it was full of kale and beets and different varieties of lettuces. Um, so the reason why we choose kale is because it's so high in so many different minerals that often we're deficient in. It's very green, right? So even more so often like that darker, kind of, it looks almost kind of grayish green. Mm -hmm. But so there's a lot more chlorophyll per concentration in kale um, than there is even in like spinach or lettuce. Mm -hmm. And usually um, there's different varieties of kale, but you'll see like curly kale, right? Or kale has like a bunch of bumps um, and the leaves are not always smooth. So that means there's more surface area to them than like the smooth leaf spinach. Um, so you're getting even more chlorophyll um, per leaf of kale, right? So um, kale does really well if you um, make, I like I will massage mine and make kale chips. Um, you can juice it. You can take out that middle rib and use it as a smoothie because um, you're getting your iron, you're getting your vitamin K, you're getting your chlorophyll. Um, you do get a decent amount of magnesium, potassium, but you're getting your B vitamins in there as well. So kale does want really good soil, right? But you can still um, put it in a pot, but you'll probably have to get um, some potting soil with maybe a little bit of um, compost in there so that it can get the nutrients out of it. Um, so that's usually at the top of my list. And so that's one that you can start planting like maybe the end of February um, till about April um, and pretty, get a pretty good harvest. And then, um, if you're in a shaded area, like if you have a shade in your yard or shade on your porch, that's another great place. Just kale doesn't do great with direct yeah. sunlight at like 90 degrees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if it's shaded, you can make kale almost all summer if you have a shaded part of your yard, um, at least in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And then the next one is beets. So beets also take some good soil. Um, but beets that they have that red purple pigmentation. So it's the red beets, I should qualify clarify because there's also golden beets um but the red beets either um there's a couple different varieties i usually um uh, plant the detroit beets but so beets are very high in the precursor to nitric oxide so nitric oxide is um what our cells need and what our um blood vessels need to help to kind of dilate so it improves circulation um, there's a lot of research on how nitric oxide actually helps to kind of balance our hormones, um, boost our testosterone a little bit, boosts what we call our human growth hormone, um, which has kind of anti-aging um, and promotes optimal wellness um, for whatever age group we're in. And so beets are usually one of those things. Um, they don't take a lot of work, but they, it's the dirt, they need good dirt. Um, and so they're better also like is shaded areas. They don't take direct sunlight very well. Um, and you can let them go for a little while. You can start harvesting them when they're, you know, about like half dollar size, or you can get, let them grow a little bit larger. 
So I usually try to get um, beets in my gardens as well because it's a great source of antioxidants and it's usually cheaper than at the grocery store. Yeah, and again, you can juice those. You can just roast them. Um, people like pickled beets. If you're, you know, have a large, um, if you um, a large yield and you want to store them, yeah, um, they will store well. Um, if you harvest them and you leave the tops on, they'll store like in a cold cellar or in a cool dry place in your house um, as long as there's some humidity they will dry out if your house is really dry yeah um, but they do store uh, decently well yeah um, but beets is another one that is easy to grow and super high in antioxidants um, which most people need because we live in a toxic world yes. so <laughs> um, yes so those would be my other top two. Um, you can get those, get, get some of those in the ground. Yes. Cool. That should be enough to get people started. Hopefully that helps. Yeah. yeah. Get people excited about starting some, at least looking for seeds and yeah, starting um, to grow a little bit of their own food. Yeah. And medicine. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Carmen. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening, you guys. All right, friends, we'll see you next week. Have a great day. Hi, today we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about this book club that we've started here at Thrive and Aligned. Um, we started a book club for a couple of different reasons. We wanted to grow a tribe of like-minded people who are interested in personal development and growth to better understand your mind, body, and spirit relationship um, to support our overall health and wellness. Right? So if you are somebody who loves to read books, you wanna be part of our community and you're eager to grow in mind, body, and spirit, we'd encourage you to join our book club. So what do you get? You get um, a box every month that's gonna have the book in it and some additional surprises that go along with the theme for the month. Um, you have four gatherings, so all four of them are virtual. Two of them have the option to be in person as well, so you get to get together as a community and talk about this book, what you're learning, questions, dive deeper, um, get Dr. Carmen's perspective from a physician, get my perspective as a life coach. Um, you're also going to get access to the private Facebook group and um, just this community, this amazing community of people that are like-minded, learning, going deeper, and um, it's just, it has been amazing. And it's only $34 a month. So to register, you'll go online to thriveandalignhealing.com. You'll see up in the top menu, book club. And remember that the registration is by the fifth of each month. So if you wanna join for December, then you would have to register by November 5th, right? If you're wanting January, then you have to register by December 5th. The fifth of every month is the registration deadline for the next month's book club. So once you register, um, it's a monthly subscription. You will receive your book in this fun box and all the gifts each month. Um, and it's, we'll just have a great time. So join us, thriveandalignhealing.com.